Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises that manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Wise. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're glad to be back with you again on a very exciting subject and a very evolving subject. Really, it's the industrial Internet of Things. And we have three guests on the show today that we're going to be talking to who really understand this subject far better than, than we do. Uh, I'll, I'll speak for myself than I do. I don't know how much into it you are, Lou. I probably know four or five degrees less than you do. So I'm I'm looking to get an education here because our listeners will be coming after us and wanting information after showtime and during over the next course of the week. I'd like to act somewhat intelligent. Okay, otherwise we can steer them to one of our three guests, the first of which is Greg Gorbach. Greg is Vice President of Information Driven Manufacturing. Greg spearheads ARC's transformative technologies for industry initiatives, including analytics and big data cloud computing, mobility, and the industrial Internet of Things. Greg, how are you today? I'm just terrific. How are you? Good, good. I'm glad to have you on the show. Thank you for being with us. We also have Jeremiah Stone. Jeremiah is General Manager of GE's Industrial Data Intelligence Business Unit. GE's Industrial Data Intelligence Business focuses on helping industrial companies effectively access, manage, and leverage their industrial data to achieve their assets, equipment, and business performance goals through advanced data management and predictive analytic solutions and services. Jeremiah, how are you doing today? Fantastic. Glad to be here. Good. You're going to have to explain all of what I just read in a minute here, but I want to introduce uh, Jennifer Bennett, who is the general manager of GE's manufacturing software business unit. GE's manufacturing software business delivers solutions to realize GE's brilliant factory initiative, both inside and outside GE. With over 20 years of manufacturing software experience, GE's proven marketing, I'm sorry, manufacturing solutions deliver comprehensive real-time visibility and powerful analytics to empower decision makers with deep operational intelligence. I love the term deep operational intelligence. Jen, how are you today? Great. We really appreciate um, the invitation to join your group and and to, to be with all your listeners. Thank you. I hope none of you have to wear like football jerseys with your title across the back of your shirts because then your sleeves would wind up being about two feet longer. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, I want to go to you first and assume for the moment that I'm a, uh, a radio jock who knows absolutely nothing about the industrial Internet of Things. What is the industrial Internet of Things, and how does it compare to the Internet of Things? Okay. Well, um, the easiest way to think about it is to think about, um, in, in the industrial setting, is to think about smart, connected things and, and advanced analytics. So that's um, sort of those two things together let you be a, a smart manufacturer, a smart industrial company. And that means that you can do things like improve your asset performance or your operating performance or offer new services to your customers. So my um, let's see my my concise definition of the industrial Internet of Things is this: it's the transformation of industrial products, operations, value chains, and aftermarket services 
that's enabled through the expanded use of sensors, digitization, networking, and information systems. Okay. Now, I just got a, uh, a, a find me uh, a disk that I attach to my car keys so that when I leave them someplace and I forget where they are, I can go to my smartphone, assuming I haven't misplaced that, and find <laughs> where, my, where my car keys are. Uh, are we talking about attaching uh, things to, uh, you know, uh, technology to something like a hammer, or are we talking far more sophisticated equipment? Well, um, it could be a hammer, actually. Um, I, I know of uh, some exa- some examples where the um, the, the tools, like uh, torque tools, are being used to um, to apply the right torque to the to the particular fastener. Where, you know, depending on where the lo- where that tool is located in the factory or in the airplane. In the case I'm thinking of. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it could be something as simple as that. But, you know, here's what's different. I mean, in the um, compared to the consumer IoT versus the industrial IoT, we've been connecting things, many things in the plant for a while, but, you know, we've been doing that where need, on a where-needed basis. But let me tell you, I, I mean, I bought a um, sort of a connected light bulb for my home, and I can turn that thing off and on from my um, from my cell phone, uh, whether I'm right next to it or in my office or wherever. And I can, you know, set up a program so that it turns itself on and off in certain conditions. So that's all great, and that's nice. But you know, if I if I or my wife or or my kids turn that that thing on at the lamp, on and off at the lamp then it just destroys all that capability. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a nice thing, and it does have some use, but, uh, you know, we couldn't tolerate that kind of thing, that kind of performance on the industrial side. You know, very true. Now, Jeremiah, I gave a, an introduction of you, and it, it contained a, a lot of information. Perhaps you can parse that for our listeners and give them an idea of what the industrial data intelligence segment of GE does. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. And in fact, the the industrial data intelligence segment of GE does uh, exactly that for for data. So, uh, you know, what happens that we find today is that sort of almost by momentum, uh, we're, we're providing more and more automation. And, and as, you know, we, as we just discussed, we've been connecting things point to point in the plant for many years. And we've gotten to the point now where there's an enormous amount of information and it's not being parsed and it's not being made simple and it's not providing people with information they need in order to be really data-driven and information-driven. And that's exactly what we do with industrial data intelligence. And the intelligence piece there is the important part Everybody's got industrial data. Uh, it's coming off of the line. It's coming off of controllers. It's coming off of heck. And even these days, you you can't install a, a you know a piece of switchgear, a breaker, without it being smart and telling you what your your load is, or you know doing signature analysis or, or that sort of thing. But you know, in many cases, what we find with with uh, the folks we work with is that you know that's just. Um, you know, more overhead, and it's more difficult to work with that data. And so what we do is uh, we, we try to provide the easy button uh, for industrial data. We, we organize it. We structure it. We put it in a, a way that makes sense in the context of the business and the operation. And most importantly, you know, we, we help to 
um, put that into a way that is harnessable to achieve greater aims of, of what you're trying to do. So, you know, in, in essence, we, we connect. We connect to the intelligent machines. Uh, we are able to provide monitoring in a single place. Uh, so you connect, then you monitor. Then the next step would be to optimize and start to make decisions about how you're, you're using your assets, how you're looking to apply these smart devices. Um, and then we start to get to predicting. And we start to say, well, based upon your, your patterns and based upon what the machine is telling us, we can give you some foresight into the future. And then I'd say, you know, at the high end of what we do, we help to optimize. And so that can be, you know, everything is as sophisticated as advanced process control in, say, a, uh, in a continuous or a flow-based manufacturing situation, say mining, uh, or, you know, even simpler than that. And the beautiful thing is, is much like what's happened in the consumer Internet where prices on these things are just continuing to plummet, what we can do is we can take what we've learned uh, through the, the high end of the market and we can provide that you know, really at, at a very affordable and approachable price to small and medium enterprises. And we're doing that today. Uh, we actually have an offering that we launched recently called Equipment Insight. Uh, you can learn about that on our website, geautomation.com, where we're able to come in on a no-fee basis, uh, handle the connection and mapping into those control systems and data environments, and then instantly provide that data in an organized, um, concise fashion via a website with no IT investment and no army of, of uh, you know, kids running around uh, managing the stuff. And so, you know, we, we try to give you intelligence based upon the data you already have and that you're not putting to use today. And you, <clears throat> excuse me, and you do this for free. Well, we, we, we provide the attachment of the, you know, the aggregation and connection of the data, and then it's really a service-based model on a month-to-month -month basis. And so you pay for the service and the access to the data, but you don't have to manage that entire upfront IT investment um, that, that is often so hard for our small and medium-sized enterprises and manufacturers. Uh, we try to help people go fast, and we want to have a commercial model that, that helps people go fast, quite frankly. And so, you know, for example, Temputech is a company we've worked with. They're, they provide monitoring for uh, grain mills. So they, you know, do some manufacturing of their own equipment, and they provide a service to their customer. And as Greg was saying, they'd like to expand that service, uh, but they can't, you know, it, it, it's, they're not in a position to be able to invest in hiring uh, five PhDs and a bunch of computer scientists to build out new hardware and software configurations. And so we've worked closely with the folks at Temputech to um, extend their ability to gather more data and provide a much better level of service to their customers by, by giving them the tools they need based upon our know-how. So let me, let me ask a hypothetical question. Um, I'm a machine shop, and I've got 20 machines, and I've got five or six machinists, and uh, we're running production jobs all day long, and uh, something happens to a machine, and uh, employee one goes running over to that machine and tries to fix whatever it is. Uh, you, I believe what we're talking about is that these 15 or 20 machines could be all hooked together and giving us information, feeding back to a central um, location, if, if that were the case, and telling us how efficient a machine is running or if there's a problem with the machine. 
can you am I going in the right direction? You, you got elaborate? it. You 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 absolutely nailed it. So, you know, what you describe is where people are today, you know, trapped in a break fix cycle. Uh, you don't know that something's going to go wrong or break down until until it happens, and and the only data you have is really looking in the rearview mirror. We have metrics like OEE and other things that we look at, and and that is on longer cycle times in terms of you know looking at quarterly reporting or monthly reporting, et cetera, that allows us to maybe change our service relationships or you know how much time we're going to have somebody uh, waiting around to help stuff. But that's really getting better at being reactive, and and what we're doing and doing quite successful in at scale is helping people be proactive. Um, and so, you know, as an example, a, a customer that we've worked very closely, not SME, but I think is illustrative of, of what we do, uh, would be Delta Airlines. Uh, Delta Airlines is a, is a strong strategic partner of ours, and they were able over a uh, five-year period of time to decrease their engineering cost delays by over an order of magnitude. And that was by being able to move towards a proactive foresight-based model by looking at the machine data uh, coming off of the machines and being able to look ahead and say, you know, um, you know that, that press over there in the corner, we're starting to see trends on the basis of, of the lube oil consumption, on the basis of the electrical load, on other parameters that we know, based upon historical behavior of that machine, are not right. And so imagine we're building, in essence, a digital twin for the different machines, and we're able to monitor and predict on the basis of, of the condition. So it's, it's good old condition-based maintenance, but we're able now to do that at scale and a price point that was really not possible before. And so now that comes back to the you know what's happened in the in the consumer internet of things is just the availability and the, um, the price point of these advanced technologies just continue to come down and become more available such that you know your your 20 machine shop has access to the same kind of technology that your 20 plant enterprise would have had in the past. What is the most aggressive or progressive aspect of this technology that is available today? Uh, again, towards the mid-size uh, organization, uh, where where do they stand to make the best uh, return on investment? Anybody oh, can answer. Question. You know, that's a tough question <laughs> to answer because there Boy, are so I many different you. kinds of opportunities. <laughs> you know, that one is that one is tricky. But I mean, for example, um, you know, just to, to follow up on, on Jeremiah's point a little bit, you know, the, the prices of these things have come down in, in a lot of ways. And, and one of the things that's, all, that's been, when, when you talk about condition-based uh, maintenance, um, it's been perceived to be, and, and, and in reality has been, pretty expensive to add a lot of sensors to those machines because, you know, the, um, they, they typically were hardwired and they needed to go through a control system and, and, and through several layers of, of different kinds of software and hardware products before you could do something useful with the, the information. But now we see, um, you know, a lot of folks doing something like a wireless solution and uh, some inexpensive sensors and, uh, and, and maybe even bolt-on sensors so that things start to happen a lot, a lot cheaper maybe by an order of magnitude than they used to be, just to get the basic uh, connectivity. And once you've got that, then you can start applying the analytics and, uh, and, and, and detect the problem and predict problems. And then, you know, even take it another step further and, and outsource, if you like, the, the monitoring of, the, of all that uh, and even the repair if you want. So a lot of things start to change, which could drive the cost down for, for that sort of activity. Yeah, and I'll add to that. 
sorry, I just just to add to that as well, I think, you know, when you look at control systems, there's a number of signals that we're able to get off of those control systems that are used to control the machine. And so it's very elaborate and sophisticated inside of that machine. And I think what we're doing is we're taking a step back and saying, for machine monitoring, it doesn't have to be everything and and anything. Simple low-cost sensors, just like if you think about your Fitbit, right? Your Fitbit doesn't go in and measure your all, every detail about your blood composition, but it gives you your heart rate. It gives you your basics that allow you to visualize and see how that how you're behaving, how the machine is behaving. And so this idea of kind of the Fitbit for machines, where then you can start to look at using cloud technologies, as Jeremiah mentioned, to lower your your cost of ownership on the IT side. And the cost of cloud deployments is, has been driven down considerably. So we know that for our small to medium businesses, this is a strategy that is really starting to resonate where we can host things in the cloud in a very secure way, get that Fitbit kind of information from our machines, basic information. We're talking anywhere from maybe you know 1 to 12 uh, pieces of inf- critical information that allow us to make a lot of really intelligent decisions about the machine and how it's, how it's, um, how it's behaving in correlation with the rest of the machines in the shop. So I think that's the other piece of important information is that before in automation, oftentimes it was silos of of information. The machine itself had a lot of information, but in correlation to all the other machines that are driving the, the, the manufacturing line, for instance, it was very difficult to kind of correlate that across the machines. So we're starting to see this trend really in lower cost of sensors, you know, not doesn't have to be elaborate. It can be, you know, can be some some simple metrics that allow us to make some pretty intelligent decisions about the behavior of the machines as they correlate to the manufacturing line. So I think all of these things, and then cloud, obviously driving that uh, that cost to serve down, really have been some of the the improvements that we've seen over the over the course of time. So back to my question <laughs> that, that everybody walked away from. Uh, let me just restate it. I'm a manufacturer. I don't know a lot about IT. I know how to run a CN machine. I've got many different types of machines. And someone's got to come into my location, and they've got to dummy down the technology a bit so I have a better understanding. And then UGE or one of your outside providers will pass this information off to me, the manufacturer, and do I understand it correctly that the services would then be performed by an outside provider or monitored by an outside provider? Well, yeah, yeah, I think to your, yeah, well, I think to answer your question directly, the, 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 the response that we give um, OEMs when they ask that same question. Where where do I start? Where can I get the most benefit? Um, you know, we ask for a, a conversation around what's most important. So are you looking to decrease your manufacturing costs? Are you looking to increase throughput? Uh, do you want to better understand, you know, your uh, – you know, performance of your machine in the field. For each of those domains, there's a different starting point and a different, um, you know, place where you can get the most bang for your buck. Uh, following along the discussion we've had right now, which is sort of unfairly in, in my domain, uh, you know, if, you, if your challenge is that you've got a, a break-fix problem and you're missing orders because machinery keeps breaking down and buying new machinery doesn't help, you've got infant mortality on, on new machines and you just can't get, you know, in control of, of breakdowns on the line, then, you know, the, the best place to start is, is starting to monitor and understand your equipment performance and your equipment health 
Um, and, and you can do that very inexpensively with wireless sensors and um, you know, solutions provided by the Internet where you can, you can get access to that data. We're having an amazing amount of success with, with manufacturers just looking at that. Now, the other area that we find people really looking at is saying, look, you know, um, my margin continues to fall. You know, <laughs> it's not just the Internet and sensing where prices continue to fall and we've got margin pressure. It's also on the machinery themselves. How do I get new revenue streams? How do I understand? And you know ways to provide you know downstream value to my customers. So you know working with a company that manufactures door frames, uh, not a big business, but they do, uh, or they manufacture equipment to manufacture door frames, usually used in lumber yards and other settings like that. And they they've got some high end machines that um, are not always performing as they need to. And you know is that because they didn't get turned on or off correctly? Are they not being maintained? You know at the correct cycles, etc. And they don't know. And then they got to put somebody on a plane to go up and find out as a manufacturing rep. And they'd said, you know, I'd really like to, to give our lumber yards some guidance based upon how they're using the machine, how they can use it better, how they can get more output, how, how they can get more value out of the investment they've already made from us. And, and maybe, you know, that, that's worth a, a monthly service fee that can be an additional source of revenue for us. But those are two very different questions. You know, how do I move from a break-fix to more of a condition-based model of how I think about my machinery in the plant, or how do I create new revenue streams? And, you know, this is indicative of the state of the market right now. We're, we're all learning every day about how you can use data to, to approach cost, to approach risk, to approach revenue. And, you know, I think Jen deals with this, this on a daily basis. We're not uh, what anybody would call a SME, a GE, but you know what? The problems are the same, and we've got legacy factories that have you know equipment that's been running for 100 years. And, and so the, the challenges we have around sensing and wiring those up are actually pretty darn similar to a, a, a manufacturer that's got a single shop and a limited number of machines. And you know the, the questions that we ask our own plant managers are, are very similar. Are you looking to manage your electricity consumption? You know, wh what is the thing that you know, keeps you up at night and is the real burr under your saddle? And, and let's see if data can help you. Jen, is this uh, in what you do as general manager of GE's manufacturing software business, what they are referring to as big data, which to, to many manufacturers, that term alone is probably uh, somewhat intimidating. Do you help manage big data? Yeah, so a big data is a piece of the puzzle for us. I mean, we, we have a, a, a variety of solutions that we offer to our customers today, everywhere from down at the embedded space all the way up into, you know, line level, uh, software application, plant level, enterprise level. But, but as Jeremiah was mentioning, you know, as we start to, to look across, you know, GE and, and its plants and we start to look across our customers, and, you know, we do have a lot of, a lot of large enterprise customers as well, where they have, you know, 100 plants that they might be managing. And when you start to talk about the volume of data that these machines are producing and the volume of data and the variety of data in manufacturing, right, we've got ERP systems and we've got um, maintenance systems uh, and we've got, you know, all the machine data and all of that coming together and trying to make data-driven decisions, we recognize that there is um, a need to be able to to develop analytics that that span across that variety of data and and with the volume of data. So GE has obviously been heavily invested in this space of understanding how do we use the data in its variety and volume and velocity that we have to be able to 
build better analytics, to be able to build better predictive technologies so that we can then take that to the manufacturers as a whole, even to the small and medium-sized manufacturers, and drive better decision-making through some of those analytics. So it's not dependent on big data, I would say. There's a lot that can be done with, with small data. And many manufacturers have, have data that, that comes in variety but, but may not be this huge volume of data that we might see at, at someone like a, you know, like a GE. However, we are leveraging a lot of that big data to build the analytics that are going to be able to be used across um, all of our offerings to our customer base, whether they're small to medium business or large enterprise business. Uh, I'd like to throw in a, a slightly different topic. Uh, Tim and I have been talking over these past uh, year or so uh, on and off about the graying of our workforce, uh, and a lot of it has to do with manufacturing. Um, there are hundreds of thousands of jobs available with no people to fill them uh, unless everybody gets retrained and so on. Uh, does this, uh, the IIoT, help in the this situation uh, in that machines will be operating machines instead of having the gray hairs or millennials uh, running machines? Well, yes, I think absolutely from my point of view. I mean, I, I, I definitely love Greg's point of view on this, but, um, <laughs> you know, in terms of terms, I was with one of our customers recently, and, and they referred to this as gray 2K, uh, that, you know, <laughs> somewhat you know, about 60% uh, of their workforce is set to retire in the next, uh, you know, five to ten years. And that's just, I mean, that's incredibly daunting. Uh, what, what we find is a little bit different, though. So, yes, automation can help quite a bit with this, and you do see automation, and, and we will have a, a degree of um, technological unemployment, if you will, in the sense that we can have some contraction of the, the number of, of hands-on wrenches, uh, that sort of thing. But, you know, we, we sort of take the view of, of Andrew McAfee and, and Brynjolfsson, who have been looking at this with their race against the machine and, and the next industrial age, and, and the next machine age and, and look at the, the possibilities and benefits that you get to create new forms of, of work and new, new areas. But, you know, the biggest challenge isn't automating the system. The biggest challenge is capturing that wisdom and knowledge of those workers who are retiring. And so we spend a lot of time in the industrial Internet of Things world actually creating um, capabilities and software that looks a lot more like Facebook uh, than it does a, a control system that enables your – you know, your gray hairs, the, the been there, done that, guys that can come up and in the apocryphal story put an X in chalk on the side of the machine to fix it and capturing their knowledge. And you know, we're even experimenting with ways that you can uh, connect and work with these folks after they've entered retirement and access that wisdom as a, as a talent reserve, if you will, uh, for, for the business. And, and, you know, this is a huge challenge. I don't think anybody's got the answer on this. And, and uh, you know, just, just automating and making the machine intelligent is not, I don't think, the, the way that we're going to approach the fact that we do have the, you know, the deep mind share, you know, the, the wisdom and knowledge of how the industrial economy works in, in large part is a, is a group of people that are uh, approaching um, a desire to, be on the golf course or be with their grandchildren rather than being in the plant for 10 to you know 14 hours a day. And that's a huge challenge. Uh, Greg, what, you know, this gives me the impression what Jeremiah was just saying, uh, that it's more than just internet protocol on a device. What kind of technologies are involved? Because it seems like it's, 
uh, you know, liveware, software, hardware, the whole ball of wax. Yeah, uh, let me talk about that technologies question in a second, but I did want to make a point about the, um, you, you know, the, the just the previous discussion about capturing the wisdom. You know, we've been at ARC, uh, we've been having this discussion with our clients for several years now, and, uh, you know, we hear everything everything that Jeremiah just uh, just articulated, and that's certainly a fact uh, of the matter. But I wouldn't say that it's, uh, you know, that the Internet of Things is, is going to replace, it's not going to be a machine operating machine. It's not going to be like that. But what we've started to see a lot more of lately is our clients coming to us and saying, you know, yes, our people are leaving and we need to figure out what to do with that. Uh, they're going to be retiring. But um, in parallel with that, you know, we know that we haven't upgraded our plant systems, our machines, for 20 years or, or 30 years or some huge number. And there's a recognition that, you know, in order to compete today, we need to, to start doing things a little differently. And, and that will help us complete, compete for the, new, um, for, the, for the newly available workers as well as uh, compete in our marketplace. So, you know, we're seeing a, a real change and a real, um, you know, almost urgency among some of our customers to figure out how to take advantage of this, this new thinking in, in manufacturing so that they can uh, be ready. Now, as far as the technologies themselves, um, you, you know, uh, it, it starts with, uh, with smart sensors, um, and then in the devices, there's often uh, embeddable uh, computing and communications capability. Uh, this involves network technologies and cloud computing. Um, there are advanced analytics as well as basic visualization. There's the need for more software, uh, including workflow or business process management kinds of things, as well as modeling and simulation. Um, and then uh, mobile devices and uh, and even industrial apps uh, are going to be affected. So there's a lot of different things going on there. So it, um, did I mention gateways? Uh, gateways is part of the network technology, I think, but we're seeing a lot of activity there. So, um, you know, uh, this is really part of the, the reason that things are um, – complicated you know if you want to just start in and do this thing you have to master so many different technologies and try to put it all together if you want to do it yourself um, I think that a lot of manufacturers and, and, and all of your listeners probably would benefit by doing a little experimenting themselves but then look for somebody who's you know a company who's thinking about a solution that they can bring um, you know and tackle the the problems that you've identified we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back with our guest, uh, Greg Gorbach, who is from the ARC Advisory Group, Jeremiah Stone from GE's Intelligence Platforms, and Jennifer Bennett from uh, uh, GM Manufacturing Software. In just a few moments, and I want to come back to you, Greg, and kind of talk about the smart production environment when we come back from break. Okay. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania, is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. 
Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment, components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials? 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification, fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason thomasnet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Wise, and we have our three guests on the show, Jennifer Bennett, who's the uh, general manager of GE's Manufacturing Software Business Unit, Jeremiah Stone, who's the general manager of GE's Industrial Data Intelligence Business Unit, and Greg Gorbach, who is vice president of information-driven manufacturing with the ARC Advisory Group. Greg, before the break, we were just touching on the subject of smart production environment. Uh, let me ask you this as you explain the smart production environment. Am I as a manufacturer today likely to have any of this intelligence inside my shop? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think um, because it's, it's going to be layered in a, in a number of different ways. So you're going to uh, you're going to have some communications and some local intelligence in your machines at some point in the future if you don't have it already on your plant floor. So um, certainly that. Um, it may be, it may, some of it may live in the network and some of it may live in the cloud. So uh, y- yes, I think it's likely that you will have some. So what is a smart um, production environment? Okay, so what we've been talking about uh, today so far um, is, is connecting machines or smart machines We've been talking about the smart machines and, and uh, some kind of connectivity platform and, you know, analytics and applications and remote monitoring and such. So that is certainly an important dimension of what we're seeing in the industrial Internet of Things. But we also um, see some other dimensions that are, that are also important. So we, um, we expect to see um, what we call the connected supply chain or the connected internal supply chain so that – you may have a smart warehouse or smart uh, forklift that's moving moving products to the line. The products themselves may be built from uh, smart components that 
have some onboard communications and and um, and computing capability, or they may be moved to the line in smart carriers of some kind, maybe with through an RFID signal. And so the mach- the, the components may tell the machines, okay, I, I'm I'm here, and uh, can you drill a hole in this location for me? That's what I need next. Um, so that that's that kind of thing. Uh, and then they may be, um, you know, maybe shipped in smart containers after that. Another dimension is uh, what we call the connected worker. So, you know, the workers themselves may have some additional uh, tools like um, like uh, augmented reality or um, smart tools, as we talked about, like the smart hammer you talked about earlier. Um, there may be uh, some, some uh, location or no navigation services. Uh, access control we already see in many places, and one thing we haven't talked about yet is is video presence or or the ability to get expert help um, right away when you need it. So that's another that's a a third dimension, and a fourth dimension is connecting all that all those plant systems and machines to the rest of the, your plant systems and assets, and then uh, up through the enterprise and possibly the third party services as well. And then finally, um, in some plants, um, you're likely to be building connected products or smart products or connected products that uh, embody all this uh, to work in your customer's environment in a, in a certain way. So um, that's a lot of uh, that's a lot more complicated uh, than just um, you know connected machines. Okay, and Jeremiah, maybe you can give us some examples to to take uh, that complexity and show that it can actually be fairly simple. Uh, Examples that you've experienced with your customers out in the field in terms of connecting all these devices together. Can you you share some war stories with us or some happy war stories? Yeah, well, um, I don't know if I'd call it a war story, but, you know, a lot of the exciting work that we do in this area, I already mentioned uh, Temputech, our, our friends that are doing uh, grain uh, elevator monitoring. Um, you know, we were able to, to go in there and, and very simply help them understand the operations of those those grain towers. And, you know, grain tower is actually a, a pretty complex thing in terms of managing moisture and humidity. And we have a lot of wastage in terms of rotting and, and losing food along along the way. And that's, that's a problem on multiple levels if you think about uh, sustainability and managing our resources well. Particularly, I, I'm out in California where we're experiencing a terrible drought. So thinking about how our Central Valley farmers are, are managing better is a huge opportunity for manufacturers of, of farm machinery. And, and being able to understand the status and capability of the product that your customer is moving and managing across the whole supply chain can come down to, you know, how quickly are fan belts wearing and, and are we opening the vents and bringing air in and out. But, you know, I'd actually defer to Jennifer on this one. I think, I think the, the work that they're doing um, is really very much around simplification. I think one of the things that I find is that the, the problems that, you know, uh, manufacturers have that are very large given the huge array of assets and the sunk costs in their manufacturing facilities pushes them into price points where they have to simplify and go after the same technologies that SMEs are using. Uh, Jen, I know you're dealing with this in a big way in terms of, you know, connecting and sensing, and I know you've been doing some work with with some of our business units, if you care to share some of that. Yeah, sure. So I I think that is simplification is certainly the – 
the the word that we're trying to really articulate uh, across the board these days because oftentimes people jump to that grand vision uh, of of optimize and without having you know the core foundation in place and, and some of the simple things that need to be there to make it all happen you end up spinning a lot of cycles unnecessarily and trying to do things without the the foundation in place so so we really within GE and, and within our customer base taken a step to say. We, we all want to get to that pipe dream, but let's make sure we got our foundation in place. Let's make sure we have our machines connected. Let's make sure, you know, some of our paper trails that we do today in factories, let's digitize those. Some simple steps that can give you great visibility into many, many things, and it's not so difficult, and it's not so complicated, and it's not so expensive. So we're really focusing in our in our plants around digitizing you know, the machine connectivity, digitizing our material tracking. You know, there was a mention before of RFID tags. Yeah, that's great, and scan codes are great. But something so simple as just uh, as just digitizing the input of a manual entry is something that oftentimes is done with paper travelers today. Um, and that's a huge amount of, of – there's a huge amount of room for error when you're doing things like that or you're trying to translate into a system. So – so we really, we really believe that there's a lot of technologies that can help us simplify, and it's not as expensive as it might have once been thought, right? The evolution has happened very quickly. So, so we're really going back to basics. We're trying to be more prescriptive in our solutions. It used to be that we would come in to a manufacturing plant that may have had some homegrown solutions they were using, some of it's paper, some of it may actually be some simple access databases or something, right, that they've built themselves. And we've really tried to say, let's let's simplify this. Let's tell you what we've learned best over the last 20 years of how this can be done in a very cost-effective way without a lot of tremendous um, complexity. And so we've really been going back to the, to, the, to the basics, again, I would say in many ways, but in a very simplified way that allows these customers to, do, uh, to get the foundation in place that allows us to then build analytics on top of that in a, in a very cost-effective way. So, yeah, simplification, I think, is the word we've been, we've been really pushing. Uh, I know that I'm talking to uh, General Electric and to uh, ARC Advisory, uh, both sizable organizations. Uh, what I'd like to know is how, how are you getting – it's a two-fold question, so let me get to question two before you respond to it. Um, you, you have – quite a message to get out there to a manufacturing base, which is the backbone of the American economy. How are you getting this message out that the manufacturer in Iowa, who's suffering from gray hairs and millennials and having to work seven days a week because he can't get caught up because he doesn't have the right employees and such. Um, the second part of that statement is that uh, uh, All Metals and Forge Group and Manufacturing Talk Radio are both uh, endorsers of Manufacturing Day. Uh, are, are you all familiar with Manufacturing Day? Okay, let me explain. Manufacturing Day is it's sponsored by the U.S. government. I'm not picking on anybody. It is sponsored by the U.S. government, and it's the first Friday of every October where they have manufacturing companies throughout the United States in all 50 states where they invite in 
teachers, students, uh, people who are looking to retrain themselves into other jobs and take a look at manufacturing from the inside out. And I would presume uh, there were there were a hundred and uh, there were 125,000 companies that participated in this last year, which was the fourth year. And I would presume that some of these manufacturing plants have your technology, which would you know help in selling the idea that manufacturing is not any longer to a great extent dirt under the fingernails and uh, metal chips on the floor. It might be something worthwhile to look into, manufacturingday.com, and uh, see for yourself if there's any uh, advantage for GE to get involved with this. Uh, it's a very interesting program, uh, and uh, you know, just Google it and see what it's all about, and I think you'll see a great benefit for you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, I, in fact, I was just in Chicago last week for the North American Manufacturing Excellence Summit. And, you know, we try to, to make sure that, you know, that we have great visibility in the manufacturing community to help, to help our customers and to help those, you know, educate and what we've learned over the last many, many years in manufacturing and trying to, uh, I would say, bring those lessons learned and, and the 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 um, you know the best practices to some of our small to medium you know, manufacturers where we know it, this is where it changes in America right the 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 the, the heart belt <laughs> right if you right will. yep so yeah and and in fact um, you know where we do find as General Electric you know what what people don't tend to to realize is actually you know the amount of material that's sourced for the uh, machinery that we manufacture in the U.S. which is huge uh, is is in a huge supply chain of, of small and medium-sized manufacturers and many of our manufacturing groups do support manufacturing day already um, you know one that I'm, I'm aware of in the back of my head I think GE aviation uh, sponsored a manufacturing day event last year but you know that sort of gave pause for thinking in that you, know, you make a really good point that the software folks and and the, the Internet of Things teams we don't need to to leave supportive events like this to our machinery brethren um, that are you know throughout the business. But you know there's a place for for software hosting these kinds of events as well. And I think you know that's, that's definitely a great suggestion. And I'll take that on board and think about it for our business. We tend to to sort of I think in a probably not the right way, segment ourselves and think, oh, well, we're, we're software. Um, we're, we're the, the data people, and, and we'll leave it to our, our, our friends that are uh, bending metal or printing metal these days to, to host those sorts of events. So definitely take it on. I, I do want to go back to your question about, you know, kind of the, the war stories and, and help make things a little more tangible maybe through, through exact examples. One of my favorite ones uh, through, uh, you know, to, to seal a little bit of Jen's thunder here, uh, because I come out of this world in a prior life, was, you know, what, what some of our uh, teams are doing around doing emissions monitoring and, and looking at their, you know, wastewater and, and you know, uh, greenhouse gas emissions, that sort of thing. You know, that, that's a, a compliance burden, and compliance and regulation is something that cuts across 
uh, all domains, you know, from large to small. And, and if we know one great trend, and it's actually, you mentioned the U.S. government, it's that government regulation uh, is something that, that is also, you know, ever increasing and up and to the right. When costs are falling, you know, we can guarantee that regulation increases. And, you know, that's a, a social responsibility that we have. And if we think about pollution monitoring, that sort of thing, this is a time where it doesn't contribute to your top line and, and it, it, it goes against your margins. That's a great place to start if you're thinking about how do I, you know, fulfill my regulatory burden of doing reporting, uh, et cetera. You know, we, we had a plant recently that did exactly that, and they, they had spent a lot of money and time trying to integrate systems that they were managing themselves for that regulatory reporting on, on wastewater, you know, socks and knocks, that sort of thing. And we were able to come in and, and put in some wireless sensors that monitored some very simple inputs in terms of fuel consumption and operating temperature, and then do the calculations and produce the report in a, a wild, you know, drop of two zeros for that that plant on what it costs to, to implement that and operate it and you know it, it it what we're finding many cases right now is is that uh as, as jen alluded to many people uh I, I are are trying to eat their ice cream before they eat their broccoli <laughs> i've got i've got two young children and every night same story you know we want dessert first uh but in many cases if you look at the more mundane boring overhead type of areas in your business, uh, that's where you can get a lot of great bang for your buck immediately, you know, using these these data and automation capabilities is by you know, really decreasing, you know, what is sort of baked into overhead costs when you look at your contribution margin calculations and those sorts of things. And it's a nice place to turn over a rock and realize that you can get some margin really quickly by applying some of these technologies at low prices. Craig, I want to go to you quickly on the same subject. Uh, maybe you can cite a couple of industrial examples where the industrial Internet of Things has helped companies improve performance. Well, um, sure, there are, there are a lot of examples um, that are out there. I mean, uh, a lot of them fall in the same kind of, of category. Um, so we have an example of a, of a cement plant that decided to use some uh, connectivity and data analysis to improve their performance. And they did that by starting to gather some data from the equipment. Uh, they, they sent it to the cloud, used some analytics tools, uh, and triggered a workflow that sent a technician off to maintain the assets a lot quicker than they would have in another way. And also, once they had that data available, then they could also make that data available to their reliability engineer to go back and and tweak the processes to make that all work even better. Um, I mean, so that's that's one one example. Another um, another example uh, comes to mind is one in mining, uh, where uh, monitoring the the tires on uh, some of the heavy vehicles, the hauling vehicles, for example. So they can collect the data from the tires and the equipment, and again send it to the the cloud and apply some analytics to predict when that tire is going to fail. Um, in, the, in that case, they may not just be able to just go repair that right away. They might need to get a new tire from the OEM so they could schedule that. They could schedule the dealer's uh, tire service truck as well as uh, let mine operations know and, and have a technician available when all that's ready. Um, the idea then would be to change the tire where it's safe, um, not on the side of a hill or something like that, and uh, eliminate some of that risk and downtime, uh, as well as some expense. 
um, and and also because they knew in advance what what the plan what, what the situation was, they could re- deploy other assets to cover it. So those are just a couple of uh, of quick examples. Uh, if you want to can... if you want to get more examples from from that point of view, you know more broadly, just to, for the shameless plug, um, you know I mentioned earlier that we've got a, a website geautomation.com. We've got I don't know, 20 pages of customer stories uh, working, you know, along these same lines that can be very inspirational, you know, looking at, you know, decrease of energy consumption, decrease of maintenance spend, increase of wrench time, you know, across a variety of outcomes that you can apply these solutions to. Uh, What was that uh, URL or website address again? GEAutomation, all one word, dot com. And if, if you go there, there's there's even a section there on, um, you know, customer stories. And there, you know, I, I you know pl- clicked one open right now. Just as as Greg mentioned, mining, I, mining's amazing. They, with the current pressure on commodities, the amount of creativity and capability people are focusing on getting, you know, productivity per ton up is is amazing. And we've got a customer there that you know increased their average throughput by by over five percent, decreased their power consumption per ton of material by by almost two percent. And and those are really meaningful numbers when you're looking to keep your your operation open. Uh, before, we're coming near the end of the show, and there is one topic that I'd like to uh, bring up and address, uh, and that's uh, cybersecurity. Where does uh, the Internet of Things fit into the world of cybersecurity? Anybody can answer. Well, you know, that is um, certainly one of the challenges and probably the biggest challenge uh or you know, as we move to this this emerging uh, world of of connected smart devices and the industrial Internet of Things, so um, you know we have a couple of analysts here at ARC who cover that uh, more directly than I do. But uh, you know, it always comes to the top of the list. Uh, interestingly, though, um, many of our clients, uh, you know, all of our clients recognize this as 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 a as a key issue. Uh, but many of them are moving ahead anyway, um, recognizing that we're probably never going to have perfect security in this area. Um, still, the you know the benefits of, of moving in this direction are important enough that many people are doing it. I think it couldn't be more important. It's something that we you know take very seriously and and we focus on and you know this is this is core to every report out we have in terms of both the products we produce and supply to the market and also our own operations and uh you know we we recently um acquired kind of the um the leader in the space and and picked them up a company by the name of World Tech out of Canada W U R L D T E C H World Tech and and they've really they've really taken the lead in producing certifications around both the processes around your engineering as well as doing direct equipment tests and 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 attacking and I think one of the things that we've discovered is that cybersecurity in the industrial world is in fact different than cybersecurity in the consumer world and and there is an evolution here but we're all familiar with you know large scale 
nation-state level threats. Um, and you know, when we talk about the American capacity to excel and succeed in manufacturing, uh, that's something you have to take seriously. And it is, it is a big um, area to look at, but it is not a, a hopeless area. And as Greg pointed out, people are moving forward because it, a lot of the fear is exactly that, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And, and we do have methodologies and approaches where we can approach that with a, a clear head and, and a good focus, and we can deal with these uh, threats, and we can manage them. And a lot of the times where we find vulnerabilities are attacks. It's through poor configuration. It's through people not setting up their, their networks and their systems uh, properly. And, and there's people out there that can help. And you know, we are taking the steps as an, as an OEM to ensure that we have our own highest standards and, and push the industry towards a high level of capability there. But it, it's absolutely core to us. It's not something that is to the side and a thing you also think about. It, it, it's very much a priority and something we take very, very seriously. Well, I think we that's are... the right way to do it. You know, we have, uh, uh, as I said, all of our manufacturing clients is the first question they ask, and uh, every one of, our, uh, of the solution providers that we talk to, it's the top of their list of what they have to do. Well, maybe we should have had next week's show on before we had this one, but we are planning next week to have a show on this very topic, cybersecurity. And uh, I, b I believe that uh, our show coordinator might be in touch with some of you folks uh, about next week. So uh, we'll be talking to you uh, off, offline on that. Uh, Tim? Yes, as we kind of wrap up the show here, I want to thank our guests. I want to thank you, Greg, uh, from uh, the ARC Advisory Group for being on and kind of giving us a general overview of this whole topic of the industrial Internet of Things. We appreciate you being on the show today. Well, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Jeremiah, from the uh, uh, perspective of GE's Data Intelligence Business Unit, you've given us a lot of great information, and we appreciate you being our guest today. Well, thank you for having uh, me. I, as you can tell, I'm sure this is it's a passion. It's not a job. It, it's, there's just so much promise for manufacturers, and I think you know, we can put data to work for America, and it's exciting to be able to talk to your audience about the possibilities that there are. Jen, I appreciate you as general manager of GE's manufacturing software business unit taking the time to be on the show with us today as well. Yeah, great. Really appreciate you having having us, and, and it's a great opportunity for us to share some of our experiences and and also, you know, listen to to what your viewers, you know, the thoughts and what they're what they're worried about, and we'd like to be able to share as much as we can to help them. So great, thank you. Well, thank you all for being with us, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, having our show, this show, on podcast in about. Uh, 15, 20 minutes. For those who have not heard the entire show, you can go to mfgtalkradio.com and listen to it again or copy it or download it. Send it to your friends, send it to your customers, and so on. Uh, next week, uh, we are planning our cybersecurity show uh, at uh, 1 o'clock uh, next week. And I'll turn this back over to Tim for wrap up and it was good talking to you tim good to talk to you lou jen is there a website that any of uh, the listeners could go to for information on your business unit yeah actually ge automation it covers both of uh both jeremiah and my business we it's an umbrella for both of them so you can go there geautomation.com great and greg how about you for arc yeah arc advisory group you can find us at um 
uh, A-R-C-W-E-B, arcweb.com. Thank you. And certainly you can follow us on uh, Facebook or Twitter at MFG Talk Radio. Any of the previous shows are also on MFGTalkRadio.com. We look forward to being back with you next week when we talk about cybersecurity. Take a look at our website for future upcoming shows, and we appreciate you being here today with Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.